You are listening to the People-Centric Podcast, where we talk through the toughest challenges that people face at work and give practical advice to fixing those challenges. Thanks for joining our movement to create workplaces that are happier, healthier, aligned, and empowered by putting people at the center of all that we do. Hey, people-centric leaders. So we've got our team here with us. We've got Diana Royalty, we've got Ben Roars, and we've got Philip Herzog with us today. And we wanted to jump into something that we run across quite a bit because we do a lot of coaching at people-centric. So we will work with individual people on how to become better leaders, more influential leaders within their organization, within their lives, uh, because we believe leadership is influence and it's how you influence other people. So how can you be a more effective influencer? And then how can you influence people in a positive way around you? You know, we also work with teams. We also work with organizations, but a lot of times our work is with individual people and coaching. And there is something whenever we're doing coaching that we're almost orbiting the world of psychology. And there's a, there's a concept that we wanted to introduce today. Uh, and it's the concept of the shadow and that sounds really dark and evil and weird, but the idea of this, and this is a Carl Jung concept in psychology. If you want to look it up, you can kind of dig more into the shadow and what that looks like. But here's how it shows up. So like we were coaching a manager who was working with managing their team. And when we talked to the person, one of the things that we very quickly discovered from them as from an outside insight was this manager really has trouble with difficult conversations. They really struggle with the idea of holding somebody accountable. I'm going to go talk to this person. This person that's working for me is doing something that's wrong. I need to go tell them that they're doing it wrong. But that person really, really struggled with that. They didn't want to go talk to them about what was wrong. A lot of times they try to do it passively. They would leave like little hints for the person that they were doing it wrong. Or they would have these, these we call it the conversation that never happened. Where they would say, well, like, how did that turn out for you? Is that okay? Do you feel like that could have gone? Do you feel like that went okay? And so hoping the other person discovered maybe what they did wrong instead of just saying, hey, I don't like how that turned out. Uh, and we saw that pattern a lot with this leader in the coaching conversations as we dove into that person and their career. What we discovered is that person had a very innate desire to be liked. That person really wanted people to like her and who she was. And it carried into, it was so strong for that person that it really carried into her management philosophy. So she could be managing somebody who'd be new who wasn't doing what they wanted, what, what she wanted them to do. And she really did at her core say, well, first, my first concern is, do you like me or not? And I want to approach everything in a way that you will continue to like me. As we got into more conversations with this person, we found out things from this person earlier in their lives that led to that. Why do they like to be liked so much? What did that look like? And it, we really got into things, I mean, literally occurred during her childhood about how she was treated in school and how for what she had in terms of friends and things like that. And it created this concept of a shadow. And the idea of the shadow is it's kind of a version of ourselves. That's not really our true self. You think about your shadow, you look at it, it's generally shaped like you are but it doesn't have all of the features that you have. It doesn't have all the details. It's just kind of a, a vague image of yourself. The shadow occurs for all of us based on something that happened to us in our life. And it becomes a caricature of ourselves. And it's something we carry with us our entire lives. 
and it's always with us and it creates something. And it might be like for this leader, it was this idea that I need to be, I really need to be liked by people. And so it impacted her how she led other people because she had struggled with difficult conversations to the point that it was crippling her as a manager, as a leader of other people. It was actually holding her back and actually ended up creating more conflict for her because she didn't deal with conflict early until it absolutely had to be dealt with. And then there were hard feelings because it's like, hey, you haven't been talking to me about this. You waited until you got really angry about it. It was actually creating relationship issues because she was kind of succumbing to this caricature of herself that says, I like to be liked. And so therefore that's what's important for me. Now, the good news about that is once she knew what her shadow was and understood what that was and became aware of how that impacted her day-to-day decision-making and how she coached other people and other managers, she was able to adjust for that. She was able to say, okay, I know that I like to be liked, but there's times where Maybe I need to act in a way where maybe people aren't going to like me as much. Maybe I need to say some things that are difficult. And furthermore, maybe if I have those honest conversations up front and risk short-term dislike, maybe people will like me more longer term. So it's actually more congruent with who I am as an individual. So today our team wants to explore this concept of the shadow. It sounds really, really spooky. But we're going to dive into, so first of all, how do you discover your shadow? What's that concept do? How does that follow you around? Is your strategy to get rid of it or is your strategy to, to acknowledge it? How does that impact you as a leader? And then what do you do about it once you discover what your shadow is? So we're going to jump into it. So I can't think of anybody better to have on this podcast about a shadow than Diana, because she is a shadow. Like she's, she's, you're kind of a dark personality. Yeah. Yeah, I am the darkness. I don't know. Yeah, I'm the, I'm everyone's shadow. Good luck with that. You're shadow. <laughs> it's, it's, it's really true. Diana's a little bit dark sometimes. A little bit. She doesn't have a reflection when she looks in the mirror. We say that sometimes. Yeah, I also don't age. I'm like 375 years old and I look 40, so it's fine. Yeah, yeah. that's great. Yeah. I was going to say, I, I think that you're actually wrong. Um, I think that your shadow's shadow is Diana Royalty. <laughs> yes. oh, I like that's it. good. That was complex right there. Yeah. And that was, that was Philip on our team because Philip was talking about the shadow. Philip's kind of the anti-shadow a little bit in some ways, <laughs> right? Philip, you're kind of like the light on the shadow. Would you, how do you feel about the shadow world? I think that shadows are great, but let's get rid of all of them and just have joy and sunshine. That's yeah. But Ben had a different take. Oh, I just wanted to say it's not uh, the opinion of everybody on this podcast that Diane is a shadow. So it's it's not unanimous. <laughs> Thank it's you, not- Ben. Thank you. I do get picked on a lot on this podcast for being, well, basically just being myself. So that's we can talk about that on here for sure. That, that's our goal at People-Centric is we're kind of a group of hyenas. We look for weaknesses and then we try to exploit those weaknesses as quickly as we can. So if you'd like to work with us, you can check out our website at peoplecentric.com. Check it out. We'll come in and we'll judge you and rub your nose in it. That's what we do as a team. It's very painful, but also keeps you keeps you going every day. Keeps you going. I love it. I love it. <laughs> So, so I, let's start off with this concept of the shadow of that. I mean, we, we've talked about, a lot about it. It's interesting as that concept became known to our team, we instantly started to apply it in different coaching situations with different clients. So, I mean, as we talk about the shadow, like let's, 
Let's come up with some other examples of that. Being careful to protect the innocent and the people that we work with. But what, what are some other examples of some shadows or maybe why is that so powerful in terms of why are we using that as a discussion here and giving that concept to folks? I mean, I don't I don't have an example of a shadow yet. I'm, I'm sure that I will have many of them in just a minute. But I think the concept is powerful because you don't really think about your shadow. It's always there. It's it's always hanging out. You you can see it sometimes, but it's not something that you actively think about. It's not something that you work to adjust. I mean, no one is like, oh, my shadow looks weird, you know. But I but I think once you understand that this thing is a part of you and that you can manipulate it and you can move it a little bit, I think it becomes a a powerful like learning tool in your arsenal to understand who you are and to better understand other people. So I love the concept. And if you want to dive into it and you want to see like a real shadow reveal, uh, there's a Netflix documentary called Stutz, S-T-U-T-Z, and it's Jonah Hill and his counselor, and they dive into this concept. And Jonah Hill brings his counselor in and they talk about like Jonah Hill's shadow, which turns out to be like Jonah Hill when he was probably, I don't know, 10 to 12 years old, something like that, was overweight and looked very awkward as many of us do at that age and he was made fun of at that age and so he sees himself like that version of himself as his shadow and that's followed him along into his career into his relationships and he's always feels like he's overcompensating for that shadow piece and so you talk a little bit about that so like for him that's a shadow and that's how he comes across for people and sometimes it keeps them he keeps distant relationships with people because it's like you probably don't like me because I'm that person back there, or I'm faking it as a, I mean, he's a huge star. Like he's probably on, if you made a list of like big stars right now, he's probably up at the top, near the top of the list, or, or he's he's high up there. Very well-respected actor, but he doesn't see himself as that way because he still sees that kid that he was and thinks that he's kind of a, like, almost like he's a, um, what do you call it? An imposter. You know, it's a little bit of that imposter syndrome. Uh, so does, does, do you think there's, I'm, I, this is kind of fresh on this, but I just said imposter syndrome. I mean, that's something that we've heard a lot from yeah. folks. Do we think the shadow is related to imposter syndrome? I'm sure. I, I think so. I mean, I'm sure it has to be. I feel like people who have imposter syndrome have it for a reason, right? There's some thing behind it. So sure. I did. It definitely could link there. Yeah. yeah. Why do you feel like an imposter and where that came from? Yeah, if you're not the person that you're acting like, then who are you really? You know, maybe that's the question. If I'm the if I'm impostering something, if I'm acting, if I'm an executive in a company and I'm pretending like I'm an executive in a company, who do you think you really are? Might be a good way to dig into that mm -hmm. that idea. So, so maybe let's start with maybe let's jump into this. Is like how do you discover your shadow? Because I think as our team has talked about that, we often apply it for other people that we're talking to, but. What do what are some top tips that we might have for people to discover your own shadow? How can you start to dig into that? We take a lot of assessments and I think they're really helpful in determining just who you are and determining blind spots you might have and in reflecting back who you might think that you are, but you haven't really said into words. I think those assessments are super powerful to just reflect back to you and kind of put put words to concepts or put concrete things to things you've been thinking a long time or you know maybe things you haven't thought about and you're like oh my gosh that's totally true I do do that you know so 
we do a lot of assessments that I think help. I think Diana used a really important term there, which was blind spot. So one way that people talk about this shadow is that it's a blind spot in your psyche. Um, if you think about it as a blind spot, then it's something that you won't find just by looking really hard yourself. So you're going to need somebody else's help finding your blind spot um, or finding the shadow. And so assessments are a way to kind of get some information on the table and get the process going. But um, it's not a it's not a, a one person solo task, I guess, is a, is a first point. I love that point of bringing in somebody else to help you to see what that looks like. Yeah, I was just going to say, like, is there a way to have a trusted person that you know and love and you could ask like, hey, how did I come across in that meeting? Or give me three words you would describe about me. We had an old admin who was working to like discover herself a little bit. And she came to me one day and she was like, do you have three words that would describe me? And I loved that question. And we talked about it and she came back six months later and she was like, do you have new words or are they the same? Like I've been working on these things. And so, yeah, I just think, I think a trusted person who knows you really well and sees you interact with others can you ask them and just have them give you feedback? I think one piece with that as well is if you have someone in your professional and then also a personal circle, because, you know, even to Don's entry story, the shadow doesn't stem, you know, just from your one workplace in that office building with that piece of things. And so, and learning maybe the, the broadest way your shadow impacts you, because so many times you meet people or friends or family, right, where you know they're off the clock side, and then you know them on the clock side. And sometimes those are just different versions of the same person, but to get the truest sense of your shadow, finding that and what it's like in both of those spaces makes a really strong common denominator. Yeah, I think it is about digging deeper on the why side of what you do. So you you behave a certain way, but then saying, why do I behave that way? Or where did that come from? Or how do I think I got there? What happened? Where's the the more root cause of the behavior? So we could start by going and taking an assessment and there's lots of good ones out there. We like the Strengths Finder assessment from Gallup is a good one. There's one called the Working Genius. That's a new one that Patrick Lencioni's team has put out there. Uh, there's the old Myers-Briggs, there's the DISC assessment, there's a bunch of different types of assessments that are out there, but you could start by taking that assessment. And then it sounds like what we're saying is maybe find a accountability buddy to also take that assessment. Accountability buddy is a technical term. If you didn't know that one, you can write that down. It's spelled A-C, I know I'm going to give up on that, uh, but accountability buddy, and you can both take the assessment and then maybe sit down and say, this is what this says I am. And then maybe some of it might be when we go through assessments with other people, it might be what, where do you feel incongruent with the results? There's things that whenever somebody takes an assessment that sometimes they'll look at it and say, that feels exactly right. That feels a little off to me, or that feels a little weird to me. And it's kind of interesting to talk to somebody else about that, because if it feels a little bit off, that might be some of that might be an indication of there's a shadow there. There's something that's weird about that. Uh, like, like when I've taken it, like it's, a lot of times the, the assessments we'll take will, will describe me as the evangelist. It's the person that can go out and win over and inspire a group and do all that kind of, that kind of thing. That's always felt weird to me. And I've always wondered why that feels weird to me. And then really digging into my own shadow stuff first introduced to that concept. 
I went back to like even childhood and times like that. And you think like, what are the most significant things? Because your shadow probably came from some kind of event or trauma. And I use the word trauma lightly there. It doesn't have to major life trauma. It could be that you, we use the example, maybe you stood up in the second grade play and you said a word wrong and everybody laughed or something like that. But it's a thing that sticks with you that created a scar. And, and looking back from like me personally, I realized like there was a time I went to a school uh, for a couple of years, uh, actually went to a Catholic school and I'm not Catholic. So fun thing there, fun fact, but I went to a Catholic school for a couple of years because the school was close to my house and it was a good school and actually got bullied for not being Catholic, which is odd. That sounds really weird, but for like yeah, a couple kids of- Kids are just mean. Kids, kids are, are just, they'll bully over anything, won't like, they? Like, you're not Catholic. I'll show you the religion. So I mean- <laughs> There's a lot of like, I mean, that does carry like in third and fourth grade that carries on like a lot of weight as a kid, because up to that point, it's like, oh, I get along with my class. I, I I feel the ability to like inspire others and be a good leader. And then suddenly you go into the situation where like you're really not and suddenly you're different from other people and they're pushing back on you for no reason. And I think where that carried along for me as a leader is that I don't believe that people fundamentally like me. That's what my shadow believes. I know that people like me, but in my shadow believes that people don't like me. So then how that shows up like as a leader is sometimes if I run into something where I think, well, that, that you might misunderstand me, then I will over explain, or I'll dive into really deep, or I'll just try to really unpack it. Cause I'm like, if I just tell you enough things about what I'm thinking, then you'll know what I'm really thinking. And you'll hear that I'm, I'm a good person, that I'm not a bad person. And you won't dislike me. So, but then that sometimes is not the best way to lead people. Sometimes that creates confusion. Sometimes that creates issues in terms of my communication with others. So I think if you dive into the assessment, find somebody else and find out what's incongruent and then kind of look backwards to your childhood and what's happened in your life, then it kind of tells you a little, might give you some clues to that. What do y'all think about that as a process? Yeah, I think that's really smart. I have one on Strengths Finder that I always am like, I don't love that strength. And it's called significance, right? It's the strength of you want to feel significant. You want to feel important. You want people to recognize you as important. And to me, that strength sounds gross. It sounds like I'm an egotistical maniac. And I don't feel that way, but I do recognize that I have a I struggle when I think I'm not being heard. I struggle when people disregard what I'm thinking or when people just kind of pat me on the head and be like, oh, Diana, you're so sweet and little. Like, here, that's cute. So I know that that bothers me, but I don't love, I don't love that I have this significant strength. And so I've had to work to learn to embrace that and say, listen, I've got this strength. I do want to be heard. I do want to be seen as important and valuable. And it probably does come from somewhere way back in my past when I was pat on the head or told that I was so cute because I was so little or whatever, you know, like that's probably where all of that comes from. So I definitely think that finding the places where you're like, I don't love that thing. I don't love that this is telling me this and working backwards and saying, what is that thing? And where did that come from? Is probably a great way to to dissect some of that information. Yeah, and it's good. And I like we jumped into the podcast and Diana said, like Diana told me right before we jumped on, she's like, hey, you know me for a long time. Don't be afraid to like push me a little bit in the discussion because it's kind of a concept we haven't talked about a lot. 
But like Diane, one of Diana's strengths is she's very discerning. Like she's very good at taking information and assessing things where she's at and then offering like a different perspective that maybe the team's going in one direction and she, she's the one to call out like, well, this is also true. And we have to be careful about groupthink here. But like, like it's interesting that the significant strength is a barrier because what it shows up for in terms of your leadership style is you always apologize when you offer your discernment. Like, I'm sorry that I'm about to say this. I'm sorry I'm about to knock you off. Like, I'm, I'm, I apologize. I don't mean to sound like a jerk, but, and then you offer the discernment piece to that. And it's, it's interesting. I hadn't really thought about connecting those two things, but when you talked about like that significance, that's how that shadow, wherever that shadow came from, you know, and I think you've got a little bit of a finger on it there in terms of what you talked about, because wherever you go first is probably about where that came from. Uh, it does impact your leadership style. So then I guess the next question is, what do you do with that information? Right? How do you how do you do you try to get rid of the shadow? Do we let the shadow follow us? What do we? What's the best approach? I mean, I'll just say that I have tried to get rid of the significance thing. I literally tried to get rid of it. Like, I'm gonna work to not need to be significant. I'm gonna work to to feel really humble and to like be the opposite of this thing. And it still shows up every single time I take the assessment. I can't get rid of it. So what I've done instead is like, okay, how do I work with it? If I can't get rid of it, because it's clearly a part of who I am or part of my personality or part of my belief structure, whatever it is, if I can't get rid of it, how do I work with it and manage it? And so I've had to do a lot of like, hey, Don, how am I showing up? Or hey, hey, Philip, what do you think about this thing? And just doing a lot of introspective work to just make sure that I can be okay with that part of me and not make it the worst part of me. Because I feel like when I hide it or I try to ignore it, then then it then it then it is the worst part of me. It's just it comes out in a bad way instead of the good way. We talk a lot about the difference between accountability and blame. I don't think we talk usually we talk about that inside of a team of if we work together and something goes wrong, everybody agrees they want accountability, not blame, but what's the difference between the two things? And what we say is blame happens when you blame the person, accountability happens when you blame the process. So if Diana makes a mistake on our team, if I say, Diana, why did you do that? What's wrong with you? That's blame, you screwed up, that's blame. I blame Diana for it. So the way to fix blame is you have to fix Diana which is which is not right. So if instead we say, Diana, what you did didn't work, let's focus on fixing the thing you did, that becomes accountability. What strikes me, what you just said, Diana, about that approach is it's kind of for yourself. Like if it's blaming yourself, it's blaming yourself means there's something wrong with me fundamentally. Like I don't like that significance as a strength of mine. I shouldn't be like that. I got to fix myself. That's like blaming yourself for it. But if it's accountability saying, how do I become a better version of myself? How do I lean into my significance and use that to become more influential or to lead things better? Then that's, that's, that's a different approach. That's called positive psychology is that the whole idea of working on your strengths, not your weaknesses. I kind of on the idea of shadow too, you know, a couple of years ago, we had a solar eclipse here in the Midwest. And what was so interesting when that happens, you know, the light wasn't quite where it was supposed to be normally. And the shadow, the way it casts on the ground, no matter what it was, the shadows all were super askew, really strange, and, and nothing really made sense if you're looking at the world just through the shadows you could see during this eclipse. 
And like Diana's point, I think when you're trying to askew your shadow, it really only makes things worse. And I don't know if there's any place in the world when there's light that there is also then not shadow. And so as much as I love light and joy and, you know, like these good things too, um, I think when you keep an eye on what that, what that is and where it is, it actually can really help you. And if humility is an issue for a person, then a shadow is a great friend to have along all the time to remind you, you're not the, you know, end all be all. And not that you want to build a life where you're only connecting with people on their shadows too. But I think the grace of understanding if your fear and your insecurity or imposter syndrome from your own shadow impacts you, it certainly does for everyone else too. And I think when we all just kind of show our light side only, which is what success tends to bring, um, it just carries less weight if you do that without acknowledging that there is a shadow, right? And I think a lot of the coaching we do and the work we do is to navigate both of those things because whether it's an organization to a person, like both are true and that's okay. Yeah, you can't rationalize away your shadow, right? You can't just say, well, I shouldn't think like that, so I'm going to stop. Because your shadow is literally part of you and it follows you around literally everywhere you go. And even places where they try to get rid of a shadow, I was thinking like on a football field, on a night game or a baseball field, there's lights every angle to try to make it lit from every single angle. Well, what's the effect of that is you just have multiple shadows on the field all around you. Like you can't get rid of it. So you have to somehow make friends with that shadow like that and not only make friends with it but then the shadow becomes part of your light like it's it's part of the, the shadow wouldn't exist if you didn't exist so then it's like for diana for the significant side like how do you make friends with the significant strength to be able to lean into that or for myself like how do i lean into that worry about whether people that people don't like me or that thought that people don't like me what can that do for me i think for me personally it's like when that becomes a strength specifically is when I can come in and meet people where they are and then win them over. You know, now, now I'm using that as saying, like, I'm not going to assume that you like me. I'm going to have to look for signs that you do. Like, I'm going to have to meet you where you are and then bring you along. And I think I'm good at that when I try to approach it that way. Then you can kind of flip it. And then it's not, a, I'm trying to prove myself to you and I'm trying to do this. It's like, no, 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 I'll just meet you where you are. And hopefully that you will, we can come along together. And if not, that's okay too. And then recognizing that. Yeah. And I think for me, I learned that like my significance is best when I am making others feel significant as well. So when it's not just about me, when I can be like, oh yeah, I see you, I hear you, I value you. And also here's what I have to say. It's a better version of significance than just hear me, value me, see me. It's all of us do that together. And I think I bring that to a table because I know how it feels. I know how people want to feel when they want to feel significant. And so it is, it has sort of shifted in my mind to my strength can be shown on others and it helps others feel significant too. So I kind of flipped it on. It's not just about you. It's about the other people in the room. That's a, feels like a um, breakthrough in group there that we just had. I like that, that point of recognizing significance it's interesting when you said that when I've always thought about the significant strength I didn't think of that as a person thinks that themselves are significant so it's interesting that you're this is why we talk to other people yeah I always think that they like significance in other people um my, my brother has a very high significant strength as another as a as a strength and I've always thought he does like to feel significant himself but it's because of the impact of the significance of the thing that he's doing 
is the thing that he's leaning into. It's not necessarily that he did it all. It's that he's involved in something that's important. And, you know, that that's something that's, that's a little bit universal, but the really leaning into that, I think, I think tells us a lot about that. So, so yeah. So as you think about yourself and as a leader, now we talked about this at the very, very beginning of this, you know, our definition of leadership is a little bit different. Our definition of leadership is it's simply influence. And so we're influencing other people on a day-to-day basis and how you're influencing other people. There's, there's two different think, ways to think about that. If you're talking about influence, it's how well do you influence other people? How influential are you? Some people are naturally more influential than others. And so you can learn how to become more or less influential in different moments. But you can also think about where do you want to influence people? If you're at work and you don't like what your boss is doing and you go and you tell everyone around you how bad your boss is doing and how bad the company is and how stupid they are, you are being a very effective leader, but you're leading them the wrong direction. You're leading them in a negative direction. So as a leader, you have to decide, first of all, how can you be a more effective leader? But first, you should really decide, am I going to lead people the positive direction or the negative direction? Am I going to lead them in a way that helps them? to be more successful, which is why I think the shadow concept is so important. Because if you can recognize where your shadow is, you can think about leading people the right direction and then making sure that the things that your stuff that we all carry with us, the stuff that makes you who you are, that makes the scars in your life, the things that have helped you learn things that help that build you who you are can help you make other people more powerful too at the same time, which is the aligned piece of people-centric. So let's do some just takeaways from this. Let's do around the horn. We don't always do this. Let's go around the horn and say, like, what's the takeaway that you've had from this discussion in terms of shadows? So as we coach, I think a lot of times we'll ask people questions about themselves. Like, why do you think you think that way? Or what do you do? Why did you do it that way? And we often hear the answer of like, I don't know. I don't know why I did it that way. I don't know why I thought that way. I don't know why I did something right. And I, I always encourage people in those moments to just sort of think about what if you did know, you don't have to know exactly, but pretend you do know. And that kind of gives you the freedom to dig a little deeper and think through some things on your own. And it gives you the permission to be wrong because you know, it's not concrete. So if you're, if you're finding yourself being like, well, I don't, I don't know why I behave that way or why I do that thing. Give yourself permission to be wrong and just sort of say, what if I did know and dig a little deeper into those concepts and think through, think, think it through. What if I did know? Great advice. Love that question. And sometimes people listen to that. We brought up that before on other episodes and I've had people say like, that's crazy. Would that work? And it does work. It's really kind of freaky. And you can do that to yourself. Like, I don't know the answer to that, but what if you did know the answer to that? Uh, that's a great question to ask. A takeaway for me, I would say, of course, other than loving the significance of meaningful work and receiving significance from people whose strength is significance. One area where I think a, a lot of us just tend to forget is your own shadow, just because it's just that a shadow. Uh, and I think Ben made the really great point early on, you need people to help you spot your shadow, because if you're blind to it to begin with, how are you going to find it on your own? And I think a shadow, if it leads to negative areas, it truly is when you let that isolate you, which only makes it worse. So you need people to help you through your shadows. And that's probably good for you and for them. That's great. Love that, Philip. Ben, what do you think? 
Yeah, I guess one one thing that I'm sort of you know chewing or mulling over is the that when we work with clients, sometimes we're able to see some tendencies and kind of identify a shadow that's you know lurking and affecting somebody's management style pretty quickly. And so if you know if you're thinking, okay, I've got I've got some tendencies that you know might be affecting me in negative ways, but I'm just gonna hide those forever. You know, if if those are identifiable in in a few short meetings or something, then the people you're working with day to day, they know them, they've seen them. And so the the idea that, well, I'll just kind of hide all this stuff away is is just not gonna work, you know. And so I, I think it's a great example of seeing the way that, you know, Don and, and Diana have had, I'd say, years to learn about each other and learn each other's leadership styles and get to know a bit about kind of, you know, what's going on in, in the kind of shadow area and help each other. And I, I think that's a really great thing. And I imagine that it's a lot more common for people to try to just hide all of that away than it is to to really, you know, have somebody that you've worked with for years that knows you that well. And so, um, yeah, I, I think that connects with what Philip was saying that it's that it, it's sort of a me issue, but it's really a me and everybody around me issue. Yeah. It's incredible. Sometimes a simple interaction with a team, they can just pick up something about you that you don't know about yourself, which you, which is re- ridiculous because you spend a lot of time with yourself literally all of your time with yourself. And it's like, how could somebody else who just met me know something about me more than I would know? But it's pretty common. And especially as we work with different teams, uh, I think my biggest takeaway from this concept is just the idea of making friends with the shadow. It's not trying to change who you are. There's nothing that's really wrong with you. It's what's wrong is how you use you. Like it's how I take, how you take yourself out for a spin on a day-to-day basis. That's where I think we misapply ourselves. It's when we think there's something wrong with the us itself that that's where we get off because then we try to overcompensate for it. And that overcompensation, especially in like the areas of conflict, like think about leaders, that's one that's super conflict for whatever the shadow is that creates the moments where a lot of people are afraid of conflict or I'm afraid of public speaking or I'm afraid of whatever it is that you're afraid of might be a symptom of the shadow. Then you avoid the thing you're afraid of and then it makes the thing worse. You know, if I never speak in public, then now I'm afraid to talk in front of a group and that spirals me to where I'm isolated. Or if I never have conflict, then I don't know how to have those conversations. And I don't practice those things and then I don't build trust within my team, which leads to greater conflict in the future. Uh, it, it's, it, it backfires on us. So I think it's this idea of like, if you embrace your shadow and become friends with it, you can understand that version of yourself and then you can use that and recognize that there's nothing wrong with you that you can use the lessons that you've paid for throughout your life to be able to make other people better. And I think that's the goal at the end of the day. And that's our goal at People Centric. It's the idea of empowerment and alignment, which is simultaneously making yourself incredibly powerful and making others powerful at the same time. So hope you enjoyed this concept of the shadow. We wanted to get a little bit theoretical with you guys today. We talked about this concept and Sometimes there's things that are very universal in terms of like, well, I want to learn how to be more influential at work, or I want to learn how to have conflict. But we wanted to give you sometimes just the basic fundamental principles that we talk about on a day-to-day basis. And this is one of those with how people think. And we hope that you find an accountability buddy and you do an assessment and you work together and find your own shadow so that you can find out how to be a more influential leader. So Send us more. We want to hear more from you. Tell us how we're doing. Like us on social media, all those different things. And until then, we'll see you next time at People Centric. 
Thank you for listening to the People Centered Podcast. We are so grateful for you joining us every week. If you like this content, please like and subscribe. Also, feel free to share on your social media with everyone that you know. It really does help us. If you would like to contact us, I have put our information in the show notes. Please reach out anytime. We love hearing from you. We will be back next week with a new topic. Until then, be well and